This is Alex Massa, and you're listening to the Labrador Leadership Podcast with Bob Nolly. Yes, they are. Live from the RVA, this is the Labrador Leadership Podcast with Dr. Bob Nolly. The program that brings you the leadership skills that can make you the most authentic, approachable leader for the sake of your business, your team, and for you. Now, here's Bob. Ladies and gentlemen, how are you? If you're listening to this on the drop date, it's the week after Easter and springtime has come to the East. Hope everybody's happy, smiling. I am. I hope you are too. Today, I've got a great interview for you. I have met one of the most genuine people I've had the pleasure to meet in recent years, Frank Gustafson. Frank has been named one of the top 50 influential business podcasters. He has two shows, Lead Like a Marine and The Leader's Bookshelf. And they're great, so give them give them an ear. I, I just think the conversation with him just really strikes to the core of what leadership is all about. And listening to the things that he considers important in his own leadership experience is just is just very telling and a great example for us all to follow. Okay, enjoy. Take a listen. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, if if you're the kind of person that walks through the front porch and sees the uh, two guys sitting in the corner having too good a time talking and laughing and slapping their knees talking about the days, then you may as well just walk our way right now. But but I'm <laughs> but I'm hoping you don't because today's guest uh Dropped out of high school, joined the Marine Corps, and uh, landed a big job in operations, then just dropped that cold and moved a thousand miles away, but then looped back home to where he uh, is now one of the top 50 business podcasters in the world with shows like Lead Like a Marine and the Leader's Bookshelf. Frank Gustafson, welcome to the program. Bob, it is an honor, my friend, to be on your show. No, the honor is mine today, sir. So, uh, uh, we're going to have to fight about that. Okay, arm wrestle me. Here we go. I, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I was talking to somebody in Boston this morning, and I said, so uh, it's nice and warm here in Richmond today, and I guess it is in Texas as well. It is a nice day but, in Texas. But he was still under 60, under 60 of the 100 inches of snow. That they had there, so oh, Ugh. that's horrible. So we can Keep just it. smile and you know we can just smile and look at the landscape here as we go through this today. Yes, <laughs> uh, you know your your story is is such a great one. Thank you for all you've done. Of course, uh, I, I want to get to talk about the nature of leadership and get your take on it. But just uh, you know, tell me tell me as you get up in the morning and hit the floor, you know, how does life feel for you right now? You know, brother, the story is what it is, and it it it, it may sound kind of exciting, but uh, it was rough going through it a lot of times. But you know, today, I, one of one of my biggest, I don't know, kind of the kind of the, one of my anchors or one of the knots that I've tied in my rope, Bob, is the saying, "It's all good," and I believe that that whatever you went through in your life, whether it was difficult or it was easy, or it was rewarding, or it was stressful, or it didn't, pay, you didn't, it didn't seem to pay dividends at the time, whatever it was made you who you are today. 
And if you're cool with who you are today, then it's all good. And I, I, that, I, I say that all the time. And I tell people, they say, you know, how are you doing? I say, hey, man, I'm living the dream. Because I am. I am extremely happy with my life. I'm happy with the way things are going in my life. I've, we've, got, uh, we've got a beautiful wife, uh, married 25 years. We've got three grown kids that are all you know, thriving in the world. We've got our first grandchild coming in June. And, oh, and congrats, Grandpa. You're going to love that. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. So, man, life is good. It is, um, it is, uh, I'm just, I'm excited every day when I get up. And that's the way it should be. You know, I, I always feel the deepest sympathy for folks that hit the floor in the morning and groan and just, you know, are having trouble making the magic happen for them. Hey, you know, when, when we started talking about leadership on this show and when the whole conversation started, you know, we've been studying this thing for, well, not a quite a century, but, you know, 70 or 80 years. And it always started with a list of the traits. And it started off with things like uh, decision-oriented and conservative and masculine. Oh, all the women are screaming now. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, things of that nature. But that list has changed, you know, decade by decade, if not more frequently, to the point where now it looks completely different. And the one at the top of your list really is a big deal. Of course, it's number one. So talk about that number one item. You know, I I have a list and and my list came from the United States Marine Corps and it's the 14 uh, Marine Corps leadership traits. And you know, there's 14 of them, Bob, and and there's one that I always trim out as being the most important to me. And for me, it's kind of like, you know, you drive by a hole in the ground and and there's all kinds of noise coming out of this hole. And you're like, what are they doing down in this hole? They've been digging in this hole for six months and I've been driving by here every day and I see nothing. I thought they were putting a building here and they've been working on the foundation and they they create this foundation that has integrity and if if they didn't and if they don't then that building is going to be the building is going to lack integrity and the building is going to be suspect right so for, for me of the 14 traits the most important one to me from the marine corps 14 leadership traits is integrity and i believe that integrity is the foundation that the other 13 traits sit on i couldn't agree and with you more i couldn't it, agree with you more if you don't have if you don't have a foundation of integrity, the other thirteen are just good ideas. Yeah, I uh, and it's also that I, it has to infer that that's the foundation for trust as well. Yeah, you know, I've been reading a lot about trust here lately. I'm reading three books right now. One of them I'm rereading, Simon Sinek, Start with Why, and I'm also reading a book called Fierce Loyalty uh, or Fiercely Loyal. I'm sorry, by uh, Dov uh, Barron, and both of these books are really getting heavy into the trust piece. They're leadership books and they're talking about building a team and they're, they're really heavy into the trust. I love, you know, all, all of the stuff Simon Sinek talks about with trust. If you don't have trust, if, if, if there is no integrity, then how do you, how do you breed trust in a team? And if you can't breed trust in a team, what kind of team do you have? And if you don't have a team, are you a leader? I don't know. John Maxwell says, if, if you look behind you and there's no one following, you're just out taking a walk. <laughs> You've taken a left turn somewhere. Yeah. So uh, I came uh, into the corporate world at some point in information technology, and it was all uh, 
a very busy time. Lots of projects, lots of folks having, you know, working remotely and together and, and projects in, you know, a time of good growth for the economy. So business is trying to get lots of things done. So in an IT world, there, there was a lot of percolation every day. And my boss and I sat down and ranked from this exercise we were assigned to do to compare our list of what traits we thought were the most important in an employee. And I just remember circling integrity and sliding that in the number one hole and just going, he's not going to like this. He's going to want, you know, driven to results or something like that. But sure enough. We're brothers from another mother. Yeah, but sure enough, you know, he agreed and it was number one. So yeah, we are twin brothers of another mother. That's, that's, that's absolutely right. Uh, so after you got out of, left the Marines and you came into the corporate world at some point, yeah, there's, uh, I don't want to say culture shock, but what, what did you do? What were you doing there? Well, you know, the nice thing was for me at least, and I work with transitioning military folks right now, I didn't have much of a transition myself. I was in the reserves for six years and, and went up the ranks to the rank of Sergeant E5. And so I didn't really have a, a shocking transition but I went into the corporate world really, really early. If you want to call it corporate world, I've never really worked for a huge business. We, we, uh, about the biggest I got was about 600 employees and we had started that one with five. So we'd seen wow. a lot of growth. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. But I think that, uh, um, you know, I, what, what have I seen and, and, and kind of what are some of the Oh, that's a good question, man. I think that that um, you know, kind of coming into the corporate world and seeing. Well, I'll tell you. Okay, here's a good here's a good one. The 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 first real kind of a um, executive leadership type job that I had. I was in my early twenties, and I worked for a small company. There was the two owners of the company, and there was me, and I was the vice president of operations. And I ran everything. These guys would come in in the morning, write themselves a check, go play golf, and I would do everything else. Sales, I would I would do the sales, I would do the purchasing, I would do the invoicing. I did everything. I brought it in, I packed it, I shipped it, I collect. I did everything. <laughs> yeah, VP ops, that's what that yeah, means. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I often say that two of the best decisions that I ever made in business were going to work for that guy, and then quitting. And I learned a lot. I learned about a lot about what not to do in business from him. I learned, you know, that, that uh, I learned a lot about integrity. I learned a lot about tact. I learned a lot about dependability. I learned a lot about judgment. I learned a lot about loyalty. And I learned a lot about unselfishness. It was a, it was a, a kind of a trial by fire period for me as a young man, just really trying to say, is this really what business is all about? Does it have to be this way, or is there a better way to do things? Well, the old the old uh, homage or adage, rather, uh, good judgment comes from experience, comes from bad judgment, I right? Mean, so, you, you you judgment being one of the fourteen traits you list, that certainly you know gets developed through experiences just like that. And when you leave an organization, you're frankly stealing it, and as well you should. Because it's it's in your portfolio and your experience just got deeper and broader. Yes, good stuff there. Uh, 
on the show, the leader's bookshelf, uh, you mentioned a few things you're reading now that you're crazy about. Uh, we had Rich Ryerson on a few episodes ago and, you know, we talked about the nature and the importance of keeping the leadership conversation going. Uh, and I'm sure you'd fall right in line with that. Uh, why do you think that's important? You know, Richard Ryerson is one of my heroes. That guy, I, I love him. And I, and I actually have listened to your interview with him. And I've had him on my show as well. He, he is really a stand-up guy. Keeping the leadership conversation going. I th- well, I think that, you know, John Maxwell says everything rises and falls on leadership. Right? Right. And if, and if you buy into that premise, then, it, then leadership is probably the most critical thing. Without leadership, nothing happens, whether it's self-leadership, whether it's leadership of others, or whether it's followership. You can't have leadership without followership. It, those two go together hand in hand. So I think that, it, it, you know, to me, keeping the, keeping the leadership conversation going is really all about, um, you know, education. It's all about practice. It's all about um, you know, moving, moving forward with your, uh, with what you learn. I mean, that's why I did, that's why I do the leader's bookshelf is really, it was, it was, Bob, it was really for me. And you, and I think I may have told you the story, but when I started the leader's, the leader's bookshelf, that was about me. That was about me making a determination to read 52 books in 2015. And that's, and, and I said, how can I hold myself accountable to that? And the way I'm holding myself accountable to that is I'm putting a podcast episode out every single week on a book that I've just read. So that to me, that's, you know, that, that is almost, uh, keeping the leadership conversation going in a nutshell, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so much, there's so much popular leadership stuff coming out now and, and there's value in just about every, everything you can get your hands on some better than others, but just, just recognizing that so many readers are uh, are taking it to heart I, I think that's a really positive thing in this in this environment in this business environment now where we have uh baby boomers that are getting folded out of the corporate world many times not by choice that are becoming entrepreneurs at ages 50 and 60 and uh the youngest of entrepreneurs that have said you know going to college is not going to do it for me i can get this done on my own uh I I think they rely on these core concepts, you know, to be successful. Somebody that's in their early twenties today and is worried about their click through rate or their downloads or or anything of that nature is is missing the point unless they absorb some of this. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Because you know the trick, the tr- the trick for them will be is it, it's all now in the relationship, and as, as I've said to folks before, got to get down to that little gap between you and the customer and create value in that relationship, and then and then you've got something going on, and you know you're just not a leader with your hands on your hips because you've got the best, you know, the biggest mailing list or click through rate or anything of that matter, or, or, or because you've got you know and and in and in the. Uh the, the job world and it's you're not a leader just because you have the title i talked about that in my last episode and in, in you know if you think that you're going to lead me just because you have a title then you and i aren't going to get very far you know positional leadership to me is more management than it is leadership and, it, it, and it's more action as well yeah. yeah yeah so uh the phrase from your other show lead like marine what does lead like a marine mean well, you know, it, interesting, that show has been out for, oh, 15 months now. 
some, yeah, about around almost 15 months now. And when I initially started the show, it was really going to be, it was really going to be niched down just towards Marines. And as I, as I kind of went through that process, I was going to, I was going to talk more about leadership and, and, and little less about transition. But as I kind of went through that process and saw what was going on with our transitioning military personnel, I, I, I kind of changed the focus a little bit. I, I adjusted the focus of the show and the, fo- and the focus of the show now is, is really what leadership traits did you take out of the military, whether it was the Marine Corps or any other branch? What leadership traits did you take out? Because I'm interviewing folks who have been there and done that and successfully transitioned. So what did you bring with you when you came out of the military that you've been able to utilize in the civilian world? And then we talk about the good, bad, and the ugly of the transition. And I think the thing that that probably pushed me more towards that than anything was when my son got out of the Marine Corps last June, it was a horrible experience for him. His whole transition process was just a terrible experience. When, uh, just for the sake of corporate hiring managers that are listening to us now, that, that may not understand the nature of that difficulty, can you, can you describe that for them? Just what it, what it can be? Yeah. I mean, and, and it's, and it, that particular inc- incident that I'm, t- that I'm speaking about is, and, and it's not, I guess it's, you know, that, that uh, dumbs it down. It's not a particular incident. It's widespread. It's, it's not so much the person or what they know or their skills or their abilities as it is the process that they're put through to come out of the military. It might take in, in the Marine Corps, you go through boot camp for 13 weeks and then you go through another round of infantry training and then you go to your school and it might be, depending on what branch of the service you're in, it might be 12 weeks to a year until you're fully trained as a Marine or as an airman or as a soldier or as a sailor. Well, they take them and, and, and transition them out in five, eight hour days. How do you, how do you, how do you learn how to be a, a United States service member in a year? And then, and then all of a sudden how to be a civilian in five days. It's a difficult thing, and I believe that our guys can do it. I just, I'm just not sure that they're kind of taught the right thing. But one of the, one of the things that I've done about that, Bob, is I'm going around the, you know, Dallas-Fort Worth right now, and then my goal is to hit the national stage and talk about this. And I have a, a, a talk that I do that talks about 14 core leadership traits, 14 great reasons to hire a veteran because – John Maxwell says that we hire for who for for what somebody knows, but we fire for who they are. How do you how do you look between the lines on a resume and see the fourteen leadership traits that I'm talking about? And all the branches have got some derivative of these fourteen traits, right? But how do you look at a resume and and see between the lines and see who this person is, and not focus so much on what they know? I hired a, a young Marine who was a, a guy who was a sergeant of Marines, the best hire I ever made in the, the company that I sold a couple of years ago. And when I saw his resume, Bob, I knew something about this young man that other people that may have seen his resume just flat out didn't know. I knew that he had raised his hand and, and 
volunteered to do something that that 99% of the people in this country either wouldn't or couldn't do. I knew what he went through in boot camp. I knew that from the day he got off the bus in boot camp and stood on those little yellow footprints, he was being trained to be a leader. And over the next 13 weeks and beyond, he was not only trained to be a leader, but he was trained to train leaders. And that is who he was, not what he knew. If I would have put an ad in the paper that said, I'm looking for somebody to run my warehouse and they need two years of warehouse uh, management experience, they need to know how to fix a 70-year-old forklift when it breaks every (laughs) other day, they need to know how to weld, they need to know how to do all the different things that Sean did for my company, I would not have found the right, I wouldn't have found anybody that knew them all. I would have hired, had to hire three or four people, but I wouldn't have got somebody who I knew had Justice, judgment, dependability, initiative, decisiveness, tact, integrity, enthusiasm, bearing, unselfishness, courage, knowledge, loyalty, and endurance. And that's what I needed. Yeah, and I I think everybody would love to be able to bargain for that if they could get that. You know, perhaps during the selection process, during the interview, the questions aren't about the accomplishments that are listed in the CV or resume, but, you know, asking for a little bit of storytelling about, you know, tell me about a time when you, uh, when your courage was questioned or tell me about a time when you were, you, you know, undecidedly unselfish. Or, or when you had to make a decision, when you were standing on a wall in Afghanistan and a truck was bearing down the road and you looked out there and you said, okay, my buddies are on the left. My buddies are on the right. Here comes this truck bearing down on us. Is this a truck filled with explosives or is this guy just late for work? Is yep. he late for, for, for delivering something? That's dis, that is a decision that a young 18, 19, 20, 21, 22-year-old has had to make. That is decisiveness. So in the end, do leaders have to be born or can they be made? Well, you know, I, I, I read a lot of, uh, of uh, Kuznis and Posner and also John Maxwell, and they say all leaders are born. I've never met any a leader that wasn't born. They're all born. But I believe that leadership can be certainly can be learned. Nobody was born with this with this leadership gene and the rest of us were just left out in the cold, right? Yeah. You can learn to lead. Yeah, I and there we are once again, twin sons of different mothers. I fully agree. I think the born part, Jay Conger wrote in an article called What's Inside the Black Box. Uh, he says, leaders being born, it's just the opportunities you may have in your developmental years. Do you receive support? How do, uh, how do people treat you and help you through failures? But then when you're out on your own and you're out of the wonder years, so to speak, you know, when you get a job assignment, do you get stretch goals? Do you get, uh, do you get a mentor or a coach to help you out? And do you really get to get a chance to spread your wings there? And it can yes. be learned. I, I'm just, I'm just so firm on that point. Yes. But it's yes. just an opinion there. Uh, so what's going on for you now? What are you working on? You know, man, I'm plugging away. I am, uh, I'm trying to get a new course out. I'm, I'm, I actually just put out a, a blog post about the 10 traits that every entrepreneur must have is either uh, he or she has either got to have them or they've got to account for them. And I'm working on a course on that. That was uh, based on a bunch of information that was done, that was researched and put out by the Gallup organization. I absolutely love the Gallup organization. Oh, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Oh, it's just, they're, they're just amazing. And these entrepreneurial strengths, these entrepreneurial talents that you develop into strengths 
are they're um, they were very eye opening for me when I, I went through the course back in December at uh, up in um, um, Nebraska, Omaha, and it was just so eye opening to see these traits written in black and white that I have been living all of my life and seeing the ones that I was not dominant in and how I have been able to at sometimes overcome them and, and account for them in some way, form or fashion or get eat, get eaten alive by them. Yeah, you can be, you, know? you certainly yeah. can be. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the closing questions I usually ask is what's on your bedside table. What are you reading now? But, uh, <laughs> because of the leader's bookshelf, <laughs> I think you've answered that for us. Uh, but, uh, what kind of music are you listening to on your phone or your iPad now? You know, interesting because Bob, what I do is I is I I read, and I and I listen to the audiobook at the same time. Oh, so that's great! Yeah, I got I have a lot of I probably have more audiobooks on my on my uh, iPhone than I do music. But man, I love some good um, I love some good Led Zeppelin. Oh yeah, uh, it just puts me in the mood. And uh, Led Zeppelin, um, I like Pink Floyd. I'm a big fan of. I love Tom Petty. I love ACDC. You know. You know. It, we, well, there it is. The deal is done. We are twin sons. That, that's yeah, it. That's yeah, it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Frank! <laughs> thanks so much, Frank. Uh, from one bold move and host of Lead Like a Marine in the Leader's Bookshelf. This will be the highlight of the day. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, you're now a co-host, so come back anytime. Bob, thank you so much, man. I appreciate what you're doing on, on Labrador Leadership. I just, I, I love your show and just keep rocking this thing, brother. We'll do it, man. We'll do it. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Labrador Leadership Podcast. For the sake of all the special people in your life that deserve you to be the best leader you can be. Connect with us on our website at labradorleadership.com, on Facebook at Labrador Leadership, and on Twitter at Lab Leadership. Now, here's a final thought from Bob. From Bob, Bob, Bob. Many, many, many thanks to Frank for being on the program from deep in the heart of Texas. Frank Gustafson, check him out at his podcast, Lead Like a Marine and the Leader's Bookshelf. Alex is back next time. Everyone, have a great weekend. See ya.